Join us as we gather around the hedge, where we dig into technology, business, and culture with the finest minds in computer networking. Well, hello, Tom. Hello, Russ. Are you sure that plant is not fake? I just, uh, it's I, real. I just want to verify that it's not a fake plant. It has been alive for like years now. I know. I, I don't. It, I don't. It's because my wife is taking care of it and not me. If it was me, it would have been dead a long time ago. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that explains things a little bit better, which <laughs> implies there are times that you are not in your office. Is that a correct statement? That there are times when I am not in this <laughs> office. Yes. <laughs> Which would be astounding in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> IT people never tend to leave their offices. And today we are joined by Mike Dvorkin. Is that right, Mike? Did I yeah, do that Dvorkin. okay? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Surprisingly, man. Okay. All right. How are you? And, and fine. 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 And where are you, Mike? You are physically San Jose? I, I am in Redwood City, California, right, okay. before, right between uh, San Francisco and San Jose, like right okay. by Palo Alto and uh, San Hill. Okay, Palo Alto, yeah. Jeff Densura lives in Palo Alto, right there in that same physical general area. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been to his yeah, house I'm like, a couple of times. I'm like 10 minutes away from Tansura. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And and Josh Saul is here, but he is muted, and he swears he's not going to talk. But we will, <laughs> we will like... We will hey, put me on the spot in. like that. I got to say hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the crew today, and today we are talking about hedgehogs. And yes. Sonics. Sonics. Okay, Sonics. Well, it's the Sonics. same thing in most people's minds. You know, I've noticed that there has been an explosion of hedgehogs in the commercial world. It's quite entertaining. Almost every website I go net to now has a hedgehog on it of some kind, which is kind of strange. But, you know. Well, hedgehogs are cute, right? Yeah, they are. Well, as, so as, as a matter of fact, like, I, I, I used to call my little kid when he was born a hedgehog because he kind of looked like that. Yeah. And then, bam, like, I'm doing a company named Hedgehog. And like, yeah. I, I have nothing to do with naming. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, network engineers remind me of hedgehogs a lot of times. True enough. Because you get too close and they curl up in a little ball and stick their spines out and hiss at you. Like, well, for a good reason, right? <laughs> people, people, get them away from me. Ah! <laughs> That's most network engineers I know. <laughs> so, so anyway, so let's talk about Sonic. Um, what is Sonic? I mean, a lot of people listening may have remotely heard of it, and they've probably never heard of Dent, so maybe it's worth actually, you know, throwing in a sprinkling of Dent. And I know that ONL is gone, apparently. It's a dead project now, Open Network Linux. So, I mean, maybe just start with, like, what is Sonic? What's it trying to get done? So, Sonic is basically an open network operating system that you slap on a switch, and you get yourself, like, an open source network OS that basically takes care of your switch. But it's a lot more complicated than that, of course. Okay, so it's just Linux all and network drivers. No, no, no. no. Uh, so, 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 so it's like it's it's it depending who you ask. There is, of course, Linux, right? There is a dead, dead Debian Linux sitting underneath. But like most of what Sonic is, is basically a set of harnesses around Linux networking and and uh, FRR, the free range routing, um, the routing stack that they're using. And also, like the big deal, I guess, in this is like a standardized. Switch abstraction interface, which they call Psi, which basically okay. like represents like all of the guts of what the chips can do and can be taken advantage of by the stuff running within Linux. So it does uh, use a standard Linux kernel. I mean, yes. pretty much, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's using you. I mean, you can compile it with Ubuntu or not with Ubuntu because it's Sonic. It's its own distribution, like Ubuntu. It's its own distribution. Like theoretically, you could probably compile it with others with like some work, probably a lot of work. Uh, My big dream is like compile it with like things like Flatcar or something like super modern and minimalist because, you know, like like whatever is based on uh, Debian is known to be a little bloated and like has a number of security issues that like nobody wants to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, In fact, there was a big commercial vendor that just moved off Debian because of all the various, we won't mention names, but yeah, that just moved off Debian for their kernel because they were originally built in Debian or something similar. And they like got to the point where they were like, we're patching more defects for for security reasons than we are doing anything else with our time. 
this is yeah, it's, start, it's it's so. it's really not worth it. I mean, like yeah. you know, for like modern software, there's so many like good Linux dis- distros or like open distros. Yeah. Like you know, my my favorite at the moment is like Flatcar. I really like it. It like originated from CoreOS, and then once CoreOS got bought by Red Hat, and the CoreOS, the Linux components, sort of got discontinued. A company named Kinfolk forked it. And then Kinfo got picked up by Microsoft. So it's like Microsoft sort of contributes to uh, oh, Flatcar okay. now, which is, you know, good yeah. thing, right? It's a yeah. good container OS. It's like yeah. stripped of like anything that you don't need. It's kind of nice. Yeah. So does it support eBPF? Just wondering. Because that's actually... Oh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you can do eBPF on it. Yeah. Okay. Because that's, like, that's I love like the extension I, I love system. EBPF. Like if, yeah. if something yeah. doesn't support EBPF, it's not worth using. Yeah. That's I was going to say, because that's really the way you extend the kernel now. It's the yeah. EBPF, right? Well, at, of, at, at least for networking and like yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, I remember like back when I was doing Noaro and like um, I hired Thomas Graf into Noaro and we we're looking at like how to bypass policy enforcement on OVS. And we started looking at the like, BPF and we we're talking to Perryman Clues out of Plum Grid. And we we're like, oh my God, like you can build all this like interesting constructs that basically kind of like surround. The sockets like in this in this layer, you can like completely disrupt and virtualize the way you do firewalls in Linux and like instrument all sorts of policies. It was like really super exciting. I'm glad that like uh Celium is now a big thing. Yeah. Right. Sort of like almost equivalent with uh BPF. Yeah. When you mentioned I was, I was it. gonna say, you know, and then there's DPDK. And I don't always yeah. understand the differences between EPPF and DPDK, other than that DPDK is not like it doesn't do the user kernel space thing that ebpf does i don't not not my impression of things. well the dbdk is like the whole premise is like you don't want to do stuff in kernel like you want to yeah. do things in user space and Actually, there, there are some there are some advantages to that yeah but dbdf is basically you know let's kind of like figure out how to load things into kernel without like writing kernel modules yeah. um so like you have a virtual machine that you can like insert bytecode into and you have a very simple language in which you can define rules which kind of Kind of looks like a normal language, except for like you can't really do loops. Not too dissimilar to CUDA in that regard, by the way. Yeah. And you know, it's 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 a very sensible way of doing things. And the cool thing is like there are now like smart dicks that you can offload things to through like XDA, XDP. So it's like, you know, the ecosystem is pretty nice. But you can you can you can do a lot of the same stuff with you know other other, other means, including yeah, DPDK, yeah, yeah, yeah. except so, so for like in my- user space. What are what are customers asking you to do for them for Sonic? I'm I'm interested in, in what the market's looking like right now. Well, for Sonic, it's interesting, right? So like most people kind of like want to make sure it works and doesn't oh, that would, fail that on them unnecessarily. Yeah. yeah, because like, you know, like with anything open source, like, you know, there are like rough edges here and there. And you know, not 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 everyone can afford a very substantial engineering team to go and, you know, fix things for them. And, you know, kind of like certify and make sure that things can work robustly in whatever environment. So that's where we come in. Like at, at this point, we look at, you know, like fixing bugs, providing support, making sure things run, certifying. Uh, we have a what we call software factory or sonic factory where like you can specify what you need in your image. And like so you avoid some of the bloat and like not including features like either like hard piece of hardware can't support or you don't want to support it um and then like you basically get a exactly the build that you need uh we also can insert like modern observability things such as like things for like prometheus grafana um you know kind of like modernizing this and like trying to logically shift this away from kind of like more traditional bespoke networking tools towards like more unified ops yeah interesting so yeah yeah, so that's actually one of the things you, we could talk about a little bit is that that customization, how does that, because first of all, you know, a lot of people don't understand user space versus kernel. And so it might be interesting to like talk about the pros and cons a little bit because Sonic is really focused. I mean, originally developed by server folk, right, is really focused on user space, whereas things like Dent and, and what we would consider a traditional network operating system like Cisco iOS Classic or old Junos, original Junos, those types of things were not microkernel. They were not user space. They were all really focused on the kernel itself. In fact, in fact, Cisco iOS Classic doesn't really have a kernel per se. Right. Like it's just, it's just a network operating system built from scratch. 
and there's almost no kernel to speak of. Um, the first time you get into a real kernel is with Junos, pretty much, from what I remember. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's worth talking about that a little bit so people understand, like, why would you care between the difference between a kernel-based or a user space-based network operating system? Well, I think the, 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 the reason why they wanted to do everything in the user space, they wanted to have modularity and being able to leverage containers. Um, so you could like bring in a container, drop it in, and like, bam, like you, you have a new protocol running. Uh, unfortunately, I think it was a good intention that ended up in its own dead end because now we have containers that run like 20 de- demons internally. Um, like, you know, like if you look at Sonic, like, I, I hate to say this, but it's like an anti-pattern to how you want to use containers. Because, like, you don't have, you, you, you have all of, the, all of the inconveniences of container, whatever, like, containers imply. And, like, the sort of, you know, the, 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 this kind of, like, monolithic nature coming together. And the way the harnessing is built around this. So you have, like, all of this, like, bash scripts that are running at the host. And then, like, they're sort of managing things within the containers and for containers. And there are, like, all these, like, backwards ways of, like, getting hooked up together to, like, system D and all of this stuff. It's, like, you know, at this point, in its pure form, like, it, it, it could have been just as well done, like, either, like, through, like, straightforward writing things in user space or writing things in kernel, really. It's yeah. actually, like, that's where we see a lot of the challenge and a lot of opportunities for actual like cleanup and re-engineering in Sonic. Like turn it into like a real container platform, like make it modular so you can actually plug in like like for example, you don't like this routing stack, boom, plug in another routing stack. And it should work. Like you don't like some feature, you can replace it with another thing. You should be able to update things independently. You should be able to like even like not not an entire feature, you should be able to for example, like update the code for initialization over a given feature. You should be able to like update components independently. And I think it's like largely a missed opportunity. Like like Sonic, when it was in, was created, kind of like had all the right intuitions, but eventually turned into like something far more standard and you know how people used to treat network operating systems, unfortunately. I, I remember the first time I saw something happen and SWSS went down and then like half the containers died. Like what? <laughs> Yeah, I still remember watching that and thinking, "This is this is great, very modular and loosely coupled." <laughs> yeah, like loose, loose coupling with close coupling, sort of like harnessing, and and, and right. it's still like beyond me. Like, why would you want to put like various like different like distinct functions into the same container? This is not how people in the rest of the world do that. That's yeah, such an right. anti-pattern, and I guess it was just convenience or. I I have no good explanation for that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's mostly just, I think it's mostly just, I want to add this feature and I want to do it quick. I mean, we see this in FR routing from time to time. People will come in and they'll say, I'm going to add this new protocol. And they say, well, I really need a database. And I need a bit database that's focused on routes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a clone of the Zebra. And I'm going to use Zebra, you know, like a second instance of Zebra as my store. No, don't, don't do that. Like that's not what Zebra's for, right? That's just, I know it's simple, but that's really simplicity from a programmer's perspective is not the same thing as simplicity from a, from an operational perspective. Yeah. Because simplicity gives you complications down the road. Yeah. It's uh, in some cases, whatever seems like a good idea at some point, usually like ends up being like, Oh my God, like what, what the hell did somebody do, do something like this? Yeah. So what, so, I mean, so given that, given the sort of tightly coupled nature uh, you mentioned making the the routing stack a little more module modular. Right now, FRR uses FPM to integrate with Sonic. That seems to me to be pretty challenging to modularize. What what are your thoughts about that? So yes, very challenging. We need to figure out how to do that. Um, that's that that's just basically it. Um, I okay. mean, like so, you, so- you, you you can break up uh, FRR into separate demons and all of that stuff. That's possible. It just yeah. You know, like nobody bothered to do that. And I think like the value of doing that is huge. Uh, also, uh, decoupling all of the housekeeping functions uh, within Sonic would like help a lot and kind of like will help isolate behaviors. Also making each component a bit more independent. Like I really like that FRR is really independent 
And that like, you know, like you can just like use it through like FRS CLI or like FRR API. Like you don't have to deal with sonic harnessing, by the way, like, and like there are a lot of Which, bugs between like the synchronization of like configuration database and the, and the FRR. So it's like, you're, you're almost like better off to just like use uh, FRR directly. Yeah. Whereas by the way, the FRR interface is about to totally be completely changed. Management D is about to be pushed in or has been pushed in. It's not in stable right now, yeah. but it will, it, it's going to change a lot of how um, slowly, but surely FRR is going to yank first. Yeah, and CLI so, later, but that's going to take a while, right? Just because it takes time to to do that kind of thing. I I think like and you know like with, with FRR and, and sort of like with like general networking, there needs to be like a sort of like common database approach by which you can fit feed the uh, uh, configuration into the thing and be able to retrieve whatever operational data, like yeah. states and stuff like that, and statistics and all. Yeah, yeah, Yang. Yang is a wonderful thing, except for like, if you look at like edge deployments and like environments where like you have like very little computational resources, like most young implementations aren't like really kind to CPU and memory because like no one's like bothered to uh, optimize yeah. those things. I mean, yes. they sound really good. Yeah, it's a common interface, but it's a costly common interface and it's not really a database per se. So you don't know how many layers like something's going to seep through. Networking is one of the remaining things where computational efficiency is still a very big deal. Things need to be fast. Because like if it's not fast, like your protocols yeah. don't work very well. Yeah, exactly. as, well as we see with Sonic today. Yeah. So let's back up a second and talk about that in terms of you said FPM. And the other mm -hmm. option, of course, is Netlinks, which most people yeah. listening to this aren't going to know the difference between yeah. FPM and Netlinks, and like what it means to use one interface instead of the other. So maybe it's worth just explaining that a little bit before we keep moving down the path of computational efficiency. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 like, look, to me, there is nothing wrong with Netlink. It's like, you know, like if I were building it from scratch, it's probably the route I would, I would have picked. So, so Netlinks is the interface yeah. off of the kernel. So when you yeah. install a route in the kernel, there's a module called Netlinks you can hook into yeah. it and it'll give you a notification. And so the, the, the FE, the forwarding engine, could hook into Netlinks or a forwarding engine driver can hook into Netlinks. You install routes in the kernel and bada bing, they show up as a, as a notification. Modulo, there are problems with net with next top groups and things like that right now, which are just always going to be there. I mean, it's just but, it's but, a complex system. But yeah. Bugs are bugs, right? Yeah, like, bugs are you bugs can't say just, just because the bug exists, like you can't use something. It's just like, yeah, you know, like get into true. a kernel and fix right. it. I mean, so, that's, so, that's open source, right? Anybody so, can do that. Yeah, so FPM is Forwarding Plane Manager, and it runs off of Zebra. So it's the okay. same thing as Netlinks, but it comes off of Zebra instead of the kernel, basically. And the difference is things like, okay, if you want to implement MPLS in the FE, and the kernel doesn't have it implemented yet, Netlinks is a beautiful thing, because you can implement it in Zebra, you don't touch the kernel, and bada-bing, you have MPLS. It works. The kernel doesn't need to know about this stuff because the kernel's not forwarding MPLS stuff, generally right. speaking. Whereas the other side of that is now the kernel doesn't know about the routes. And now, you know, you have other problems because you have to side look at the kernel to make sure the kernel knows what's going on. And now you have this weird FPM interface that everybody's got a write to that could be different for every routing stack because not everybody uses FPM, right? right? Bird doesn't use FPM. It only does kernel. Right. So, so, so like for this, for this to really work, first of all, like I think Linux networking and especially in the kernel is like really super well thought out, not without issues, but you know, it's, it's, it's mature. It's nice. Like they're extending Linux is, is a known science. So adding new protocols and like adding new like data planes, like all this stuff is like people know how to do that. Um, also, being able to rely on like standard Linux primitives, like like you you can just basically build Linux applications around it, right? The way it's done in Sonic today, it's not really because you're like super married to uh, to FRR, which like for like when it started, it was like nothing wrong with that. Like that's that's how it was supposed to work by design, I guess. Yeah, um, right. But I think like now, for like to take advantage of FRR and like take advantage of like other things. We, we need to move on to uh, something a bit more Linuxy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And, and, because yeah. like because like it like it doesn't have to be built around FRI. FRI is an important component providing routing. And the rest of it should be just like Linuxy. Right. And it was like one of the first things that kind of like surprised me about uh Sonic when I started looking at it. I was like, why would you want to do that? It's uh it's 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 it's, it's gonna haunt you in the in the in the end again, as you said, because like like all of a sudden like Linux might not be aware of routes. Right, which means you either have to rewrite things like ping yeah. and trace route, or exactly. it means you have to make sure that you install them both places and then you get synchronization errors, because you always do. You just do. It's just the way things work. And so, yeah. you know, there are synchronization errors between Zebra and, and Kernel, and the Kernel and Netlinks. And so, you know, you, you just add another layer of synchronization to the mess and see how many more errors you can spit out of it. Because it's just a more complex system. You have more interaction surfaces, and it's just the way it works. And, 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 and look, you know, now they're trying to bolt a VPP data plane into a Sonic. And now, like, that integrates through, like, that link. Like, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, that's, yeah, that's it's like all, 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 all of this stuff could have worked so much more harmoniously. Yeah. I, I, I think it was, you know, a, a, a design decision that probably going to be regretted over a longer period of time. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm curious, Mike, how, so, and, and I'm very familiar with Sonic. Um, uh-huh. How, how do you, so knowing all these things, and I'm sure you've learned them as, even in the course of Hedgehog, like how do you still deliver value for customers knowing that you have this imperfect architecture that you're, that you're working on? Is your philosophy, we're just going to fork it, we're going to make our own? And that will keep the branding or is, or what's, what's your approach to actually making this something that will work for customers? This would be so tempting to just like, say like, you know, we're going to write it from scratch and call it Sonic or like <laughs> supersonic. <laughs> but unfortunately that's how the world works. I don't think like the world needs another open operating system. So what we, we are trying to do is we're trying to figure out how to get things like how how to how to change the architecture and like we would like to convince the community and work with the community and push things forward. Uh, we're having like number of conversations with guys from Broadcom, a bunch of different people. So it's like, you know, like there needs to be a common desire to do this. And my justification is this: like once things move to the edge, like having a bloated network OS is basically going to like put like unnecessary requirements like CPU and memory yeah. and going to drive up the cost of boxes. And yeah. that's probably, and, and then like other vendors who are non-Sonic will take advantage of it. They'll and it's going to, it's going to be really yeah. much slower than it needs to be. I mean, I remember working yeah. in a Sonic test bed once where we threw 120,000 routes at it for something and it just wouldn't install them. Like, exactly, it, exactly. So scalability like, issues. Like so, yeah. like all of those things, like people know about this, but it's sort of like, you know, it's like good enough for like whatever. And people who care enough, like they change it in their own environments. Like they hire software developers and they basically like hack away and yeah. and yeah. and they do what yes. they need to do. And yeah, you know, so I mean, and by the way, this is not unique to something open source, by the way. I mean, there is yeah. I have been in this situation with other operating systems that when when they were first being developed. People thought, I'm going to do this really clever thing and I'm going to put timers in or I'm going to use um, IPC, interprocess communication for some things like passing around routes and I'm going to do all this other stuff. And then you get into it and you actually try to test it. And it doesn't, it just doesn't. And it doesn't work. On paper, it works awesome. But in the real world, no, you just can't. Performance really matters when it comes installing routes in the fib or into the fe it just does performance makes a difference exactly and that's 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 like the aristas and cisco's had like yeah. decades to like perfect that yes like, exactly and, right. and that's yeah. that's their value prop for yeah. us the value prop is twofold like we need to help fix it right this is i i think it's just a good thing to do and the right thing to do um and second is like our eventual uh, plan is to build a fabric solution that leverages Sonic. So we want to get network out of the way and want to have a platform that's completely automated and provides this sort of like cloud UX-like experience where you're like dealing with the uh, with the underlying network the way you deal with the network in the cloud. It's just sort of there and it works and it's like somebody else's magic. And people deploying the rest of the infrastructure should not really care 
about what's going down below and it should just work. And that's, that's why we care about cleaning those things up. Right. Because being just in the, in the NOS business is, is, is hard. I mean, look at like poor guys at Cumulus, like yeah. big switches and, you know, like there have been like number of companies yeah. trying yeah. to do that in the past and like they all struggled for many years and like never really gained yeah. much significant, much in terms of significant traction. Well, Big, Big like, Switch was trying to commercialize SDN around an open source NOS, it felt like to me. That's, they, that's they true. Were, they were actually trying to avoid using BGP. And, you know, there was a time there when I talked to them and they were like, we kind of think we need to implement BGP in our platform. And I was like, yeah, yeah you probably kind of should have done that like five years be, ago. Be, because like, you know, BGP is deceptively similar in description to a distributed database. Yes. Right. And like a lot of computer science people are like, oh yeah, I can just like put like Mongo in there and like, yeah, oh, no. <laughs> like it takes care of like all of the routing. Yeah. Boom. Like I know where everything is and like, yeah, while Mango works. And, and another, it's like with SDN, the craziest thing is this, right? Like all software works fine with like including databases when the network is there. When you're a network, you can't really rely on those things because like if the network is not there, like what do you do? Like they're like, oh, you build another network where this stuff works. It's sort of like turtles all the way down argument. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's actually like one of the things we try to solve like back Back in the day, like when we uh, when when we uh, started in CME, one of the first things was like, like how do we like bring the control cluster together? How do we bring the network up? Like how does it come up like all together? Like without there without there needing you to, like another network that like can run your databases. Yeah, that's that's always the challenge. Yeah, it is. Right, it it's is. like sort of like ultimate and it's like eventual yeah. consistency, but like. With like almost immediate conversions, and and we fa and we fail to take into account that the databases. I mean, yeah, OSPF, ISIS, and BGP are distributed databases, and they're eventually consistent and all that other stuff. And you can describe them in those terms. It doesn't yeah. mean that's what they really are. That just means you can describe them in those terms. Yes, as not exactly the same thing, right? And then that's where people get confused, right? They, yeah, they think yeah. it's like database with like some state machine attached to it, right? Yeah, Which yeah. databases already are, and like whoa, yeah, no, no, it's not, it's not. And as a perfect example. BGP is not supposed to advertise something unless it's installed in the FE and being used for forwarding. That's not database. That, that, I have now tied the algorithm, the best path and loop-free path algorithm right, right. to the state of the forwarding table. Now I am not in the disconnected world like I am like with a link state protocol where I can just like advertise stuff and flood it and then I compute later. And even in link state, people don't think, you know, well, the speed of computation impacts micro loops. So the whole question about efficiency of operation is how long do you want micro loops to exist in your network every time there's a link failure? Right. Right. Do you want it to be milliseconds or do you want it to be seconds? I mean, it's a very yeah, simple yeah, yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, exactly. So like having this like centralized logic is like really nice. You're like, oh yeah, I'm going to put like 20 computers. We're going to do map reduce, blah, 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 blah. Right. So what ends up happening is that your network is in like in deterministic state for like yep. now, like, time windows of like tens of seconds like how is that a positive thing like yeah. i could i could never understand that i mean there are like multiple works workarounds about that yeah. and you know yeah, people yeah, have yeah. like eventually solved a lot of this so like to me sdn is more like issuing hints to local agencies like that are running within the boxes and then yeah. what does it become like it becomes a routing protocol yeah. to which you like issuing some special policies yeah, I think the first time I hit this was when I was working with EIGPSAs, believe it or not. And people would say, I've got rid of all my SAs. I'm how'd you do it? I increased the SIA timer. No, wait, that's really not a good idea. All the SIA timer means is how long are you willing to allow EIGRP to be outside of its state machine before somebody takes corrective action someplace? And all you're saying is, I'm perfectly fine with my network app operating outside the state machine for 10 minutes. No, yeah. you're actually not. <laughs> no, 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 you you can't. Right? Because it's like, yeah, sure, those things don't happen very frequently. But when they do, yeah. like, you can lose your network for, like, you know, substantial amount of time. Oh, yeah. Maybe, like, tr forwarding not tracking days. the black holes. Days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not not like minutes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, days. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then, like, you know, like the more software you put and the more you centralize it, the more you're sort of like centralizing the effect of the uh, 
any kind of sort of software defect, right? Mm-hmm. So now you can have like cascading failures. You like take out your yeah. control plane and now what? Yeah. I mean, like, I've seen, I've seen networks. I've worked on a number of networks where I had to go in and passive interface things and take routing processes off of routers because it would not converge. Never, like never. It would sit there for days and just not converge. And you're like, now what do I do? Well, I better start taking interfaces and routers out of the, out of the link so I can get the stinking network to converge. And once it's converged, now I can back up and figure out why this failed and how to stop it in the future. But right now I've got a network that's down. It's never going to converge. I can't forward traffic. And like, that's broken. (laughs) That's so broken. But yeah, and it all comes back to all this stuff about how fast can you install stuff in the FIB and the FE and everything else. That It's really off the radar for a lot of people, unfortunately. Well, I I don't think people just think about it, right? Like they, 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 and, and, you know, like some of this is like driven by natural intuition. So like you look like back in the heyday of like SDN, like people looking like how often do you like, install a VM in your data center. That doesn't happen like every microsecond. So it's like, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it all depends on your data center, doesn't it? Right. <laughs> no, but, but, like, but like, I remember those conversations, right? People are like trying to be like, let's be reasonable engineers, right? And like, kind of like, let's solve like real problems, like versus like something that's theoretical because like that networking stuff is like so goofy when you like solve it in a modern, um, modern, software way and like it ended up being oh, like yes. like yeah. making the situation significantly worse yeah container started I mean, out is because containers start out exactly the same place yeah. routing protocols are complex we're just not going to use them yeah. yeah well that lasted for about well because like every, everything that's in the beginning is always simple right it's yeah. like so easy yeah. and intuitive and it's like really easy to use and install and like five years later you you're like basically in the same mess like whatever yeah. you were trying to criticize. And now you're doing something like super bespoken, like something that was not really thought through. Yeah. I mean, you know, I hate to like shit on like stuff I used to work on before. Like when we started, <laughs> AC, like when we started on the ACI, right? Like speaking of like path to hell, like being laid with good intentions, right? <laughs> like it was all about simplicity and like, it, at least like, you know, at least we use like BGP and ISIS down below. Like we didn't really, uh, redo the protocols, but like, you know, the, the, the policy model, like, yeah, sure. Like there are like applications that can be grouped, like, because like, you know, they kind of like, they're like application clusters. So like, Hey, endpoint groups, and then they have to have policies amongst them. And then like all sorts of like layer two stuff starts showing through, like completely breaks this. And like, it's like turned into this, like, kind of like the eventual model became more complex than whatever we're trying to solve. Yeah. So actually, so actually, let's go back to Sonic for a little bit. Yeah. How does Sonic play into all of that? So as Tom was saying, you know, you have this community, it's an open source project. So you've got to try to push these efficiencies through a community. And yes. the, the Sonic community is notoriously difficult to push stuff through in my experience. Uh, Sonic. So that's where, you know, you have to do politics and you have to talk to everybody. You have to be nice with everyone. It's, and it takes a lot of time. And like Sonic, like I, I think we talked about this before. Um, like Sonic, Sonic is not like Kubernetes. Like Kubernetes, like a lot of end users and a lot of practitioners cared because they wanted to have something like this. But Sonic is mostly driven by vendors and very, very large, uh, like hyperscaler people. And the average user, like outside of that group, is really poorly represented. Um, and the the vendors they fix stuff that they need to fix and they sort of like have their own enterprise versions of sonic um, and and they're perfectly happy with that and you know that works and they they get to sell and, whatever and they, they provide value and, yeah and they don't but, necessarily upstream yeah. it because they're actually not trying to well, well they're trying to it's hard like you know it's you, you can argue like i i don't want to put a blame but yes. I, I think they do put in like honest effort but like when they see resistance, they sort of like, you know, it's, it's sort of like you pick your battles, right? And they're perfectly fine. Like a lot of the stuff being kind of like enterprise version. So it's like, you know, they do differentiate at the same time, like large guys, like, you know, they do whatever is good for them. And like, I don't think they, that what's good for say, uh, Microsoft is necessarily translating to, uh, an average enterprise or a startup or like any anybody who like deploys stuff at edge 
just a completely different world. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like they, these views are not represented. So upstreaming stuff is, is not easy because of like, you know, there's like a kind of combination of like sort of like tech apathy, uh, technical debt, and just like, you know, like, and being dominated by known forces. Yeah. Tom, that's you had a, something you want to challenge. jump in there? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was just going to say some, some, some vendors uh, make a, I would say a lot of vendors make a token effort. Um, you know, they'll yeah. raise a PR. They don't work too hard to get it merged, but they'll raise the PR. Uh, and then you go kind of inspect their enterprise Sonic and it's been fixed for a year, two years. Yeah. yeah. And the, B, the PR is still hanging out there. So, yeah, I mean, it's, and what's in it for them? I, you know, if, if I was them, if I was engineers on that, working for that ODM or that vendor, I'd probably do exactly the same thing they're doing. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I don't think it's like really a matter of like engineers. It's probably the management. It's like, you know, where are we going to waste or spend like our effort. cycles, right? Yeah. Like, what, yeah where do I put yeah, It's uh, like, do we fight these battles? And, and like the art of like building Sonic for people, it's actually like finding those PRs and applying them. So like the platform works. It's not that you can take like community stuff and like, Hey, it works on everything. It doesn't. I mean, yeah, like, I, I think Sonic is a reference architecture. That's what I, that's the way that I think of it. It's not ready to go. It's not, you have to have a team to deploy this or somebody like a company like yours, Mike, but yeah. like you, you, it's a reference architecture. It gives you some hints about how you could build in this model, and then you take it in and you fix a bunch of things and you tweak a bunch of things, and and then it's it's not consumable. This isn't yeah. like we've said before, Russ. This isn't the Apache web server where it's apt install Sonic and you're ready to go. It's it's nothing like that. No, it's not. It's nothing like that. But one of the things we want to do is like we want to get it there. Like obviously we have our own self interest because we want to build a product out of it. But also it'd be nice to have something that works. That is like completely open source. Yeah. Just, so what just, is what is the virtue? Like, so I work on Sonic. I think it's great. I think open source is really good. But what is the virtue of using open source when you want to make it so that the guts are nobody cares about them? What in your mind? Why why wouldn't you just write your own NOS beyond the fact that it's convenient and it's there and you don't have to go start from ground zero? What's the virtue of open source to you? So the way the way I think about it is this: like, if you look at the rest of the application stack or infrastructure stack that's like Kubernetes and like stuff above Kubernetes and slightly below Kubernetes, all this stuff is driven by open source. So you have now this like basically stuff that came out of like Linux Foundation, CNCF in the rest of this. And then like, bam, you have like networking that's completely bespoke, right? So the natural desire is to basically bring something that continues this kind of like infrastructure should be open, but supported. And there should be an application around the infrastructure. Like, for example, there are like a bunch of companies selling you like kind of curated Kubernetes or like installers for Kubernetes or managed Kubernetes, but it's all basically bare naked Kubernetes underneath. So the idea is to do the same thing with Sonic and having like this like open thing that's not, that's not like in any way like tainted by proprietary stuff. That's like completely open, but you do creative things with it. You make it usable. You make it so it's like you don't have to worry about this. It gives people peace of mind. It's like, you know, we're, we're a small startup. Would anybody buy a closed operating system from us? No. Like it's, I mean, as much as we'd like to, like people say like, what if you like kick the can like two years later? What's, what's going to happen? We're going to get stuck with this? Well, you say like it's Sonic, it's supported by community. And at least like there is a story that like gives people some assurance that this is not going to disappear. Just the same with, with Kubernetes, right? Kubernetes became a thing without a main commercial force behind it. I mean, obviously it was created by Google, but you know, Google was not the company that profited from it most. I, my answer to that may be a little bit different than that, which is that I see the value because there, if the bar is so high to even get it running, then nobody's going to try. Nobody's going to care. I mean, they're going to look at it as a company and go, wait, you mean I've got to spend, I've got to send somebody, pay somebody 40 hours a week for the next six months just to get this thing to compile and just to even start working on getting it where I want it to be. Now, on the other side, building your own is like, it's deceptive. People yeah. think they can do it. The fact is, it ain't that easy. I mean, it's really, really hard. And most people end up working something. And doing it in doing it that way anyway, and then just not upstreaming anything that they've forked off of. 
So I think having a running Sonic, something that somebody could do a Git app install Sonic and being it loads would actually be a help to the community at, at large. I don't oh, know. We, we, do, we totally believe this. I, 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 I think for networking to go forward and like continue evolving, like there needs to be an open platform because, you know, like there are like three companies that control the playing field today. Right. And like they do things the way they want to do things. And like, mm -hmm. yeah, sure, like protocols are open and all maybe, that stuff. Maybe four or five, depending on how you, yeah, yeah depending on how, how you count. How yeah, you yeah. count yeah. 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 My, Cause, my cause I would that. now count Huawei in that vendor group. No, that's, they, that's, that's true. And it's, it's my like America centric. Yeah. Centric I know. I know. View I'm of the thinking, world. Yeah. I'm like, Europe ashamed and stuff, of that. Yahweh is such a, yeah. such a huge behemoth now yeah. that it's hard to count and, them out. And, and in general, like network is already sort of like a commodity. And having a standard interface to this is a good thing. So, like, rather than having bespoke, like, specific OSs with their unique CLIs and, like, your unique cabals of, like, specialists know how to deal with them, like, you should have something that's, like, common across the board. Like, everybody knows how to deal with Linux, right? It's, like, it doesn't really matter what hardware you're using. Now, now when you say networking is becoming a commodity, I think that scares people, though. Oh, it's a wonderful them. thing. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> well, it should be. Just the same way as compute became commodity. And by the way, like, you know, like, it's interesting how many people are in denial about this because, you know, like, think about, like, the cost of switching versus the rest of the infrastructure stack. It's, it's negligible. Yeah. Like, your racks of servers cost a lot more. Like, smart, you add smart niche, you add, like, software costs. Like, it's, like, astronomical. Yeah. So, like, switching is like, you know, what does switching do? I mean, like, it passes traffic, hopefully it doesn't drop it, and, like, it works and, like, stays out of the way. The best network is, like, the one that stays out of the way. You don't have to, like, futz with it all the time. Yeah. Well, my, my perspective has always been the switch itself may be a commodity. The network, however, as a whole is not a commodity. Like, an individual train car is not a commodity. Even a train of cars is not a commodity. But the railway system is not a commodity. Like there, there's value; it adds value to the real world. And so, totally, totally. This, this man, like, I, this is like the best summary like I've heard of this. <laughs> like, it's it's the 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 value is not in the components. The value right. in how those components work together and what kind of user experience they provide you, and how you consume it, and how much you have to like babysit this thing. And yeah. what can it do for your applications and how you think about like how your applications are de deployed and how they connect to the cloud, connect to other environments. And like all of this stuff collectively is what's interesting about networking, not yeah. individual boxes. Unfortunately, yeah. we need to have like those boxes working really well, <laughs> scaling, <laughs> well, <laughs> because yeah. like otherwise the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. I, the the engineer the network engineers i know of that i would consider to be senior and 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 knowledgeable professionals don't aren't scared by networking as a commodity cuz they're just like it's this box it's that box it's c j whatever color it doesn't matter like the the way that you're saying rest like the, their understanding and their value is understanding the system and how the system yeah. works and but there are i don't know maybe there are network engineers who only know one vendor cli and maybe they're scared well, but yeah i don't there's think there's a lot i think there's a lot of engineers so so-called so engineers out there who know one particular vendor and that when you say the network is a commodity they're like oh no but this box does this and that box doesn't do that and that box does this and it's like yeah, so we don't care. <laughs> so, so at the end of the day, you still pass packets, right? It's yeah, not that you like, exactly. like give like give each packet like a shoulder rub or like head rub. I don't know. Like, <laughs> and and the other thing is, just because you call it a commodity doesn't mean that the individual box doesn't make a difference, right? There was a time when plumbing was done with with steel pipe, and then they went to copper because of lead poisoning, and you had to saw you had to sweat solder copper. And then they went to PVC and you had to glue things together. And all of that was replaced by PECs, by two or three versions of PECs, because it's a lot faster to work with. It's a lot easier to work with. It doesn't impinge on the water supply. So that's not to say that you can't make improvements in the plumbing over time. And that there's not advantages to different kinds of plumbing. No, no, not at all. But still, when the water comes out of the pipe, 
out of your faucet, it's water. <laughs> it's water, right? It doesn't affect the water. Right. What's, what's affected is like, you know, cost efficiency and, and, yeah. and, and, the, and the sort of operational efficiency, right? Exactly. So how fast you can install something, how, how much time do you have to spend dealing with something? Yeah. So networking is the same thing. Like, like composable infrastructure, like all of this, all, all, all of this stuff is going to like, going to require certain things from networking, right? So there will be new protocols. But like, yeah, sure, it's 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 evolving, but it doesn't have to be this bespoke thing that is special. Yeah. Like if you look at the rest of the infrastructure, nothing is treated the same way as network. Like stuff on the computer, like once, especially once people get off VMware onto like something like, you know, like either like to go to the cloud or they do Kubernetes, like all of a sudden, like things become like kettles and like we like people don't don't treat their machines like yeah. as pets anymore. Uh, this yeah. is like kind of like goes back to like the nineties. Yeah, yeah. It's another reason I'm not fond of chassis boxes. Honestly, multi FE boxes is because it it yeah. does like I have a lot of reasons for not liking. I, I'm not really. I mean, I know people use them, and I know there's use cases, and even hyperscalers use them, and everything else. But I always feel like you're more inclined to take a chassis box with a hundred and something interfaces on it or 200 interfaces and treat it as something unique or special in the mm -hmm. network. Exactly. If you are, if you have a one FE box, it's a pizza box. It's, it's one or two RU. you pop it out, you replace it. Like it's a box, like who cares? And I think there's a mental attitude adjustment that goes into those things sometimes. Yeah. That, because, uh, because like any, any switch is basically a computer with a bunch of interfaces on it. That's yeah. it. Pretty much. Like there's with, nothing special with with a with a with a graphics card, but the graphics card is designed to do hardware forwarding. Yeah. That's basically yeah. exactly exactly that's, exactly. That's what it comes down to. Although I mean, yeah. you do generate a lot more telemetry out of a network box than you do out of a host and things like that, which is where well, people that's, also that's, get that's, that's by that's by choice. You you, yeah. you can generate a lot of telemetry from a Linux box. Well, that's true. You can like write read your CPU every millisecond. Yeah, you could send it somewhere. You could. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, true. like and and, I mean, and, 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 and and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, but like with NetFlow, like I I think actually like I'm gonna say something that's like relatively controversial. I think like people overstate the value of like telemetry. Telemetry is important, but telemetry is not end to all things. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, 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 then, and then it's like a lot, well, more often than not, like people don't know what to do with telemetry, sort of like sit on gobs of data and like, what the day will come when you're going to take advantage of this data. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's like, you know, like I, 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 I remember this argument. It's like I, I was back at Cisco when like titration was being created. I'm like, I'm like, what problem are you trying to solve? They're like, oh, we're going to do telemetry like Google does. Okay. And you're going to run it on like, what kind of compute? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, you're spending this much on the network. You're going to spend much, this much on this thing. Like, where's the economics? Sorry. Like, mm -hmm. I'm an engineer. I'm not supposed to be thinking about this. But like, this is like kind of weird stuff. Yeah, I, I you know my thing about telemetry is is that you need to do enough telemetry to know when something breaks. Yeah, that's Abs the start. Absolutely. Yeah, and then you need to have instrumentation to help you understand what broke when something breaks. That doesn't mean you have to collect the data. It just means you need to know how you're going to measure something, what it normally looks like, what broken looks like when you measure it, and what difference it's going to make when you measure it to the network. Yeah. Because you can't measure things without changing the way the network works. But interestingly, there are already tools in existence, like in the, outside of the networking world, that are actually pretty good for this kind of stuff. Like Prometheus, you know, like all this. Like people use it for like you know fairly sizable application deployments. And like and 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 then like Cisco and Arista keep on like reading that like oh we're going to give you like observability platform uh, that sits in the cloud now, like. Like why? Just because networking people are special and like they don't know anything outside of the networking world. Well, I don't. I don't have anything else to ask about Sonic, and we're going on an hour, and we probably should wrap up and let Tom and Mike and Josh, who said nothing this whole time, uh, get back to work on real things. <laughs> oh, Josh kept true to his promise. He did. I'm just listening here. I'm just listening. <laughs> You're a great listener. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Tom, where can people reach you if they want to? I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. Just search for Tom Ammon. You'll find me. Okay. And Josh, see, I'm going to ask you, even though you're not talking, where can people reach you? Or do you blog or anything? Do you send anything out that people can follow? Uh, yeah. You know, I've been writing blogs on our, our website, gethedgehog.com. I started a series called The CCIE Gets Fired, which is kind of like my my experience oh, no. uh, as a CCIE. <laughs> uh, not not specifically getting fired, but just like kind of, you know, some, some stories from the trenches. Um, Anyhow, I'm publishing that on git hedgehog, G I T hedgehog.com. And then I cross post that on LinkedIn. All right, cool. And Mike, thanks so much for coming on. This has been a great conversation. We should have you back on every now and again, just to talk about what's going on with Sonic and just about telemetry and stuff. I mean, this is all really interesting topics and we kind of geek out on this stuff sometimes and our listeners probably go, ah, no, no more. But anyway, so Mike, where can people get in touch with you or follow you or whatever? On Twitter, okay. I'm the Dvorkin, the underscore Dvorkin. Okay. Uh, and you can look me up on uh, LinkedIn. I'm like Michael B. Dvorkin. Okay. And do you blog or on any other I, podcast? I, I, I do blog every once in a while. I'm, okay. Same place, same uh, place that Josh does though. Right? Yeah. Same place as Josh. Okay. Like I've done like, I, I've done like podcasts with uh, Tansura. Okay. Um, we do the podcast. Between two before. nerds. Yeah. Between two nerds. Yeah. yeah with two Jeffs. Yeah. With the two Jeffs. Yeah. That's Between actually, two Jeffs. Yeah. That's actually exactly. a good, uh, good podcast. Too. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun podcast. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll love Jeff. He's yeah. a good friend. Yeah. The two Jeffs are great. So yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, and I'm Russ White. I, you can always find me here on the hedge at rule11.tech on LinkedIn. I write on packet pushers. I don't know. Just look me up. I'm around here and there. And you can always, if you have ideas for this show, please email us, PM us something, Tom or I, or even Yvonne, who's on sometimes, but she listens to people when they want to talk about like what, what we should do on the show. And, uh, you know, thanks for paying attention. We know that your time is really valuable in today's world. So we're happy you listened to us. And thanks for joining us for this episode of The Hedge. And we'll catch you next time. Subscribe to The Hedge on your favorite podcast service or follow along at rule11.tech.